Hey, thanks for joining us here on The House Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by this message. If you want to learn more about The House, check out our website at welcometothehouse.com or download The House app. Welcome, welcome. I am so excited to see your beautiful faces today, and I can't wait to jump in to a new series we have here called Relationship relaunch. And so it's a good thing to relaunch relationships, and it's important for us to be intentional and to make sure that we are moving forward in this area because God has a plan, a good plan for our relationships. And so one of the things I want to do before we get started, we have a staff whom is so, so faithful to honor Pastor Stephen and I. Every time they're up here, they're doing such a great job at that. But I want to take a minute to honor them. We cannot do this without them. Do we not have the best staff in the whole wide world here at the house? We do. We don't just have people that are working for a paycheck, because just so you know, they don't make that much. And then the next thing is, is they're not clocking in and clocking out from nine to five. They have work hours, but they're literally living the ministry life as a calling. And so, for instance, Pastor Stephen is at a church right now called Word of Life, Marionville, and he's preaching there. There's a church of friends of ours. We're overseers there. And the reason why he can do that is because our staff is amazing. The reason why that he can do that is because we have a team that are sitting in this room that are willing to serve and be a part of the body of Christ. And I just want you to know that I wouldn't want to be anywhere else but here. Thank you for making this church so life-giving. So not only does that come from our staff, but it comes from each member in this room. And I just absolutely love y'all. So if you do have a chance, definitely pray for Pastor Stephen at Word of Life today. It's going to be a great day there. Um, I do want to just plug in real quick. This is a week that we're supposed to be voting, and I don't have time to really jump into that that much, but I do want to talk about every time I talk to my friend in Serbia, she is a pastor's wife there, and she just literally every time I talk to her, I'm like more like Christ because she just loves Jesus so much. But one of the things that she always reminds me of before we get off of our calls is to just be grateful for what you have. Be grateful for the states, for the freedom you have. So Christianity in Serbia is looked at as an enemy of the state, evangelical Christians. And so there's not the freedom that we have here that we enjoy to worship and to honestly live out our Christ, our faith in Christ like we do. And so I never want to take that for granted. And one of the ways we cannot take that for granted is to vote. Because when we continue to steward the blessing and the gift that God's given us to live in a free country, and we don't look at voting as if it doesn't matter. I look at voting as this is a responsibility God's given me. It does not mean who is elected controls me. I am in God's kingdom, and he's on the throne. But it's still a part 
uh, is a blessing and is a calling that I am able to participate and vote and pray about who God wants to be in office and vote in that way because God can take my physical little action of just one person and touch it and make it something supernatural and steer our country the way he has for it. So it's important for us to value the gifts and the blessings and the freedoms we have in this country and we can vote and keep that. So um, one of the things that I want to jump into is just an example to set up relationship relaunch. Okay, so I am obviously middle-aged, and I am not as savvy as the culture right now, but my kids are teens, and they keep me savvy. They keep me in the know. So here's the deal. Have you noticed Maybe you've heard about it around you, but there is a new culture of calling, basically soft launching relationships on social media. And so this concept, if you don't know anything about it, is basically totally contrary to the olden days. <laughs> we used to make things public and Facebook official, and it was a big deal, and it was loud, and it was clear. Okay, so now people don't wanna do that anymore. And this is why. Because your social media grid, which is the history of your posts, will ultimately, if you post everything, if you post every relationship, it actually becomes more of like a graveyard <laughs> memorializing relationships that didn't work. And so what has happened to curb that is what you'll see, and if you didn't know that this was happening, now you'll know. Okay, so you'll see this photo dump of like February, what happened in my life. And so you'll see someone with their friends and activities and events, and then you'll see some sunrise and some random picture of like a seagull or a monkey or something. And then you'll see like a picture of like half a face or like four shoes. And that means, if you didn't know, they like somebody. But they're not wanting that to affect their history of their social media, their grid. So they're posting these pictures and becoming very subtle and trusting our own investigative st skills to know what's going on in their life. And so it's very, very different than what we used to do. And so for instance, I was thinking of this concept in this culture. And I thought, how does it affect our relationships in reality? Because ultimately, we all desire to be known, to be wanted, and be connected with, and for someone to be proud of us, and for someone to be not ashamed of us. And so I'm so grateful that we serve a God that doesn't soft launch our relationships. <laughs> okay? He was so bold that he sent his son Jesus, and he came from royalty, from the throne, to earth to take on skin, to give his life to have a relationship with us, knowing that we would choose and make choices that ultimately would not be to connect with him that we would waver and that we would be unfaithful and we would not always choose him. But yet he chose to make such a bold statement to connect with us and to love us regardless of our reaction or response to him. Because a lot of us can say, I don't know, I hope most of the people in the room could, could admit, 
I've made a stupid decision before in my past. Have you? Have you made a stupid decision before? Okay, something that would make you ashamed to make known, but yet God in his all-knowing, he knew that we would make decisions that honestly we wouldn't be proud of, but ultimately he still chose to send his son and make that bold statement because he's not soft launching a relationship with us. He's all in. He loves you, wants to know you, wants to connect with you, and he has literally done everything that he can to make a way for us to do that. And so one of the scriptures I wanna jump into is James 4, 8. It says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. That's the part you can put on your refrigerator. And then this is the part that sometimes makes us hesitate. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Okay, I can't think of a better verse to start this series out than God offering us to draw near. He's saying, I want to connect with you. And that's what we all want. See, God does that for each of us. But the reason why it's very important for us to see this perspective is that everyone in, our, in this room is coming from the same place. We all need to draw near to God. And we all need to cleanse our hands because we're all sinners. And we all need to purify our hearts because we are double-minded. It's not the good spouse and the bad spouse. It's not the good friend and the bad friend. It's not the good Christian and the bad Christian. We all are on the same playing field. And we all get the opportunity to connect with God and also then obey him and connect with others. But how do we do that when we're all sinners? How do we do that when we need to clean our hands and we need to purify our hearts? The only way that we can do that is through drawing near to him. You know, in this verse, we learn that God is a source, not a source, but the source, when we fall short. Because we will fall short, and we will have those moments that we don't want public on social media. The best way to relaunch our relationship is to identify the fact that we all need God and that's our priority, the relationship that is the most important. 1 John 1, 7 says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Okay, so there's hope. When we walk in the light, so this is a journey. This is not an overnight, it is overnight, we get saved in one moment, but we are walking in a journey in his light, and that light helps us connect. It literally says we have fellowship with one another. That means we have connection with one another. How can we do that when we're all sinners and we have selfish motives and we don't have anything good to provide each other? We do that because we walk in the light and he is in the light. And so therefore, we gotta start recognizing when we begin to think thoughts that are actually in darkness. We have to start recognizing when actually we're acting out in a way that is not like we're walking in the light, but we are walking in darkness. So let's become aware 
about this connection he has for us, and let's walk with Jesus. None of us like feeling disconnected. I personally, connection is big for me. Sometimes I think it's my personality, but I think mostly it's our human nature. If I'm not connected to God or the people that I care for the most, like my family members, my spouse, y'all, I am messed up. I'm distracted, I'm annoyed, I'm aggravated, I'm anxious, I'm double-minded because I've lost connection, whether it be for, with God because of sin or with others because of the things that kill connection. So this series, we're gonna talk about three things that kill connection. Today, my assignment today is assumption versus connection. An assumption will kill your connection, both with God and with each other. We could also call it assumination because it has no mercy. Okay, so let's talk about the definition of assumption. It's a thought that is accepted. It's accepted as true or as certain to happen without proof. Everybody say without proof. Okay, so without proof means you made it up. Okay, I made it up. That's what an assumption is. Now, most of the time, this comes out in thinking the worst. We start assuming and we start thinking the worst about ourselves, about God, about each other, and then it turns into truly almost a battlefield of wounded warriors that now the Holy Spirit absolutely can come in and heal and tend to and recover. But ultimately our goal is if we can stay out of assumption, we will leave a lot less body bags along the way. There are some in this room that your life has been on pause personally and relationally. And I believe this relaunch is for you. You know, you may be sitting here and think, I assume the worst because the worst has happened to me. And there are some people who have faced real loss and real hardship and real abuse that you could say, can I just say my disappointment is greater than the person next to me? Because ultimately, if we really wanna hear your story, we could measure greater disappointment versus less disappointment. But I just want you to know that I don't know how productive measuring our level of disappointment is as much as allowing the Lord to come in and heal us so that our disappointment doesn't affect our relationship with him and our relationship with others. So if you are struggling today with disappointment, which has paused your forward motion, I'm going to give you a little science lesson. I used to teach seventh grade science. I am by no means a scientist. But I do understand the, <laughs> Isaac Newton's first law of motion. It is called inertia. My son, after first service, told me, he said, I feel like I was in school. And I was like, I feel like that was such a short piece of my sermon. <laughs> but he was convinced that that was very um, school-like. So this law of motion, in the easy words, would say it's a tendency to do nothing or to remain unchanged. And I think as much as we would want to say that that's not me, I don't want to do nothing. I don't want to not change. Oftentimes we find ourselves just there, doing nothing, sitting still, not moving forward. Why? 
due to mostly life's disappointments and events that caused possibly some assumption that killed some connection with God and others. Okay, so the scientific way would be a property of matter by which it continues in its existing state of rest or uniform motion in a straight line, unless that state is changed by an external force. So I can explain this a couple different ways, but since I have a small table, this is how I'm going to do it. So this, I borrowed Malachi's monster truck. And so this monster truck has no way to move forward. It's stalled. The only way for it to move forward is for an external force to come and move it forward. Okay? So that external force in our relationships is Jesus. You cannot move forward in your connection with God, and you cannot move forward on your own. You cannot move forward in your relationships if you don't have the external force of Jesus. So for instance, when we go back to the scripture we just read, by, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus. We're talking about Jesus being the external force. His son cleanses us from all sin and now we can connect with God and we can connect with others. Okay, so obviously the disappointment that we have faced could hinder us, but it doesn't have to. Jesus has done what we could not do for ourselves. And that's one of the things that I feel like, especially as Americans, we want to say that we're self-made. That's the kind of culture we live in. But I just want you to know, the last thing I want you to believe about me is I know I'm not self-made. Jesus was at creation, and he formed me. He made me. He knows my purpose. He's the one that gets to define who I am. And because he's my creator, he also cares for me. He actually wants to be involved in my life. So therefore, I'm not going to take any credit of being self-made. Jesus, I need your external force to move me forward because I'm not doing this on my own. Now, I will partner with the Lord. I submit my life to the Lord. I say, your way is, is better than my way. So there's a part I play. I'm the one that ultimately surrenders. But he's done everything that I need past that point. So here we go. We've covered how God wants us to connect with him and with others. But what about the enemy? We know God wants us connected to him. We know he's made a way. We know he wants us to connect with others. He wants us to have fellowship. He's the external force. Well, what does the enemy want? The enemy wants us to assume things about God. He wants those assumptions to cause disconnection. See, like in my marriage, what I think Stephen thinks about me determines how close I allow him to get to me. So if I don't know what God thinks about me, I may very well be holding him at arm's distance, unknowing of the damage and the danger that that's causing because I don't understand what he thinks about me. But the thing is, is when I know what his word says, then guess what? I get to draw near to him and he gets to cleanse me and purify me. And I'm no longer confused. And I'm no longer totally and completely double-minded, confused, multiple opinions, assumptions, whatever you name it, the next two series we're gonna talk about, the next two sermons will be isolation and control. All these things plague us. But yet I don't have to be under that when I say, God, what do you think about me? Because the best place I can be is near you. So Psalm 8 in our SOAP guide 
speaks right to what God thinks about us. If you don't know what our SOAP guide is, that can be, that's actually in the front seat pocket in front of you, and you can grab that and join us reading the scripture every day. So we're reading a chapter a day. We have a SOAP method that you can jump into. This is great for those whom you're like, I don't know where to start. Jump in and start. If If you are like, no, I'm a versed Bible studier, great. And you want to spend hours with that, Do that, but do the SOAP guide too, because you'll be able to grow along with us as a church. Okay, so Psalm 8, 3 through 8, talks a little bit about what he thinks about us. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him, yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor? You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. Okay, so this doesn't even scratch the surface of all that the Bible teaches that he thinks about us. If you're wanting to delve more into that and meditate the scripture, I would encourage you to check out Psalm 139. It has so much truth about what God thinks about us. But let me just let you know that if you're maybe in this place and you're like, you know what, that's all good, I believe that, but I feel stuck. And I'm in a real situation that disappointment has crippled me. Well, guess what? This scripture tells you that he valued you so much that he gave you dominion, and you actually can take dominion over the enemy's schemes in your life. You do not have to stay stuck. You can invite him into the places that you don't want to change, and you have a tendency to stay still, you can invite him and say, I don't have to continue like this. I have dominion. I get to choose. And so I know that your relationships will be impacted positively if you can take dominion over the things that God has given you dominion over and stop blaming others because they haven't done what you wish they would do. They are on their own journey of connection with God. So this scripture points us to how he wants us to connect. If I know what he thinks about me, I draw near to him, and then I get the vision behind connection in John 15. Jesus teaches this in verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, you will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Everybody say, do nothing. Okay, so this is a really good revelation. If you could start there, this will help. You can do nothing apart from connecting with God. So then he furthers down this scripture before he ends this portion of teaching. Then he goes into verse 12 and 13. And it says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. Okay, he's just made the big ask. (laughs) There is no way that we can love people like Jesus is calling us to love people without first being connected to him. He's like, I'm not asking you to do something impossible without first telling you how to do it. You know, further this week in our soap guide, we're gonna start reading about Judas. Judas is the disciple that sold Jesus out and betrayed him. And I can't help but to think of the fact that Jesus was on the cross and he died for the whole world to have an opportunity to know him, even Judas. 
And if it were me and I had to die for my friends, I would be like, there's probably about nine or ten in the world that I would rather not die for. And if they could be off the list, that would be great. Because after all, they wouldn't value it. They don't deserve it. They've hurt me too badly. But here Jesus is showing that like, he knew Judas was going to betray him. He told Judas, when, which is so confusing, when Judas was like, is it me, master? And he's like, yeah, it's you. Like, I was like, you already had sold him out when he asked you that. You act so confused. But here's the deal, is the fact that Jesus did something that we would say in our flesh is impossible. How could he die for Judas? And if we really want to be honest, we all have had moments of betrayal towards God. We love to think, oh, we're the 11 other disciples. But I just want you to know that that's not the case. We're the ones whom have betrayed him, yet he died for us. And he saw our face when he was on the cross. He, he saw our name. It was not just a universal statement, although it was universal. It was a personal statement for you. Now let's talk a little bit about what the enemy wants in our relationships. The enemy also wants us to assume things about people that will disconnect us. And he does that through little thoughts. And if we accept those thoughts as true without proof, then we then assume. And that assumption begins to break down our relationships in such a way that we cannot thrive and we cannot be connected. So let's look at Ephesians 6, 12 and see how we're supposed to view assumption, how we're supposed to view what the enemy wants to do. It says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Okay, news flash. We are not fighting each other. We are not against our spouse. Our spouse is not against us. Believe me, any parent in the room, your teen is not against you. I'm, speak, I'm ministering to myself right now. <laughs> okay, parent, your kid is not against you. There is a real enemy that wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And we got to remember that God created us and gave us dominion, and we have dominion over the enemy. So do not believe every thought that comes into your head. We have to check it and say, is this true? Because if it's not true, it's an assumption. And that assumption, let's just call it for what it is. If it has no proof, it's a lie. The devil is the father of lies. Who are we going to believe in our life in regards to our relationships? You know, personally, this message is so, um, it just touches me differently. I communicate it differently because I feel like it's a real thing I have to face on a regular basis. I have faced disappointment. I have faced crisis. I have faced doctor's reports that seemed hopeless. I have had friends walk away from relationship. So I am not saying that you do this magic you know, chant, and all your relationships are magically going to be connected. 
There are things that we cannot control. There are people's decisions that we ultimately don't get to decide. But I know when I'm connected with the Lord that I'll be okay. But I still want to give people the benefit of the doubt, not because they are worth it or earned it, but because I can give him the benefit of the doubt. And I know he ultimately is in charge of protecting me. So specifically, I did come to a place where I was crippled with fear. I'd had so much disappointment and so much discouragement and so much hard things that I felt like we couldn't catch a breath. And I got to the place where I became hard-hearted. I started looking at my life and the way I acted and the way I spoke and the way I treated people and the way I really thought that I didn't even tell everybody. I saw this bad fruit. I saw this bitterness, this resentment, this skewed perspective of the world and the people around me that I actually loved, the people around me that I was actually called to, to minister. And I had to really go into an introspective journey with the Lord. We talk about walking in the light. I had to say, I'm going to continue to walk in the light, Lord, reveal these dark, hidden thoughts and lies that are keeping me from being able to be connected with you and others. So the Holy Spirit began to reveal to me things like, you're believing that everybody's against you, including God. There were moments where I felt like God was against me. And I knew as a Christian that was not true. But subtly and subconsciously, I was believing these lies that I didn't realize I was rehearsing and acting out on. And so then I began to unfold the fact that I was believing that I could not win. No matter how hard, how hard I tried, that my job was just to try, and then I wouldn't win, and then I'd just be left discouraged. And what that does is it sucks the life out of the relationships around you, but it sucks the life out of you. And even though I can't control others, I ultimately still want to be, have the life of Christ in me. And so here I came to a real decision of what I was going to do with those lies that the Holy Spirit revealed in me. Here I am walking in the light. I'm asking the Lord to show me the dark thoughts. And now what am I going to do with it? Because I really believe them. And I actually have some things that has happened that actually backed them up some. And he showed me Psalm 91, 7 through 10. Some of this Psalm 91 is familiar with some of us because a lot of people like to talk about it because it's a beautiful psalm. But specifically, it says, a thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High who is my refuge. No evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. I realized that I had been making these people that had disappointed me and these situations that had discouraged me my dwelling place. And guess what? I get to pick where I dwell. I don't have to dwell in other people's opinions. I don't have to dwell in other people's actions. People may fall at my side, 10,000 at the other side, but he is my dwelling place and I get to live there. He is our refuge. Because let me just tell you, when you come into a relationship with others, they have humanity. So it is risky. And honestly, it's inevitable. 
that there will be disappointment. But yet when I'm dwelling not in them, I'm dwelling in the most high, then I know people can fall at my left or my right. People can do what they want to do, but I have a refuge and I am safe. So therefore, I don't have to assume. I can choose connection. So this journey that God's taken me on, I want to just kind of unfold three steps to connect instead of assume that I hope helps you practically. The first step is the curiosity step. This is where we, instead of assuming, we begin to get curious. Knowing this, when's the last time you questioned what you thought of your spouse? When's the last time you thought about questioning that assumption you made about your boss? When's the last time that you questioned what you thought about that team member at church that you serve with? Okay, so here's the deal. This is in our business, in our real life, because every day we get to choose connection or assumption. And so does that thought fuel connection or disconnection? Is that thought what God wants us to think? Or is that thought what the enemy wants us to think? Because we already know what the enemy wants to do. He wants to divide. I was thinking about in, and this is in my notes, but in the Pauline epistles where they actually instruct the church, don't let someone cause division inside of y'all. Well, I can't help but to think how many times I've assumed and caused division. Now, thankfully, in his mercy, and, my, and thankfully, I have the opportunity to repent. God, I don't want to assume. I don't want to cause division. He restores us in a moment. But us being aware gives us the opportunity to be restored and not become the one that truly is the reason why division is happening. So curiosity, let me just give you a preface, is positive. Okay, I'm not talking about interrogation. Okay, I'm not talking about, you know, <laughs> putting a bright light in someone's eyes until they answer all your questions the way that you hope that they would answer them and exhausting them. That is disconnection. I'm talking about a healthy, positive curiosity. Like, man, it seems like they were having a bad day. Let me pray for them. Man, I wonder what they meant by that. Oh, they probably meant nothing. Or... I know that person loves me and wants to connect with me. I'm gonna give them the benefit of the doubt. Or if I need to, because it's serious enough, I can say, hey, what did you mean by that? Because if it is something, wouldn't it be better for us to come to the table and talk about it and stay in connection than it would be for us to assume and just have disconnection? The next step is the investment step. We have to be willing to invest, and it's not investing if you invest. We are called to have fellowship with each other and connect even when someone else doesn't have that vision. Someone else is still walking in the light and figuring that out or coming to that step. So we can invest in relationship knowing that if I compare my relationship with this person to that person's relationship with that person, I may be comparing it to the wrong stage. We all have three stages of relationship. The first stage is the pioneer stage. And that means you came into a new territory. You uh, rode a, a covered wagon and half the people that came with you got an illness 
and it's not going to make it the rest of the way. And you come into a forest, and guess what? There's no path. And so what do you get to do to invest? You get to take that tree stump out. You get to remove that boulder. You get to start making a path where there was no path. And so if I am jealous of the person that's on the highway in relationship, they got to start at the pioneer stage too. And so every relationship starts at the pioneer stage. And guess what? Then we've made a path. We can pour some gravel. Well, guess what? I can go a little faster on gravel, but it's a little bumpy, and it's not real fast. So if I look at the highway, I'm going to be like, oh, this is so slow. But we've come so far from the pioneer stage. And so I don't want to dismiss this relationship or remove this relationship or disregard this relationship because we're in the gravel stage and we aren't where we used to be but we're not where we're going and it's going to get better and so now with the gravel stage now we can start pouring some asphalt and we all know how wonderful highways are highways help us go fast any speedy gonzalez's in the room Okay, I'm teaching one to drive right now, and I'm like, girlfriend, you are going 66, and it's 45. <laughs> so here's the deal. There are some of us that want to go fast, but we can't go fast until we're willing to pioneer. Then we're willing to go 5 to 10 miles an hour on that gravel road and then move to the highway. And I just want you to know that this doesn't happen fast. But it's worth the investment. The third step is the, tr the trust step. And I'm not talking about trusting when verified. This is a huge step of faith because we're willing to trust each other. I'm not talking about in unsafe, unsafety, that there's boundaries. I don't let everybody, uh, all my kids spend the night with everybody I know. They only get to spend the night with people that I'm on the highway with, not the pioneer of the gravel road. So I'm not talking about wisdom, common sense, and safety. I am talking about trusting our spouse, trusting each other, trusting these people in the row across from me, building this relationship and this fellowship in the body of Christ that he's called us to. Our faith and Christ's proven track record in our life gives us confidence in him. And because we have confidence in him, we can trust. Because ultimately, as much as I'm trusting this person, my priority and my, my greatest trust is in the Lord. I think of Abraham in our soap guide in Genesis 22. If you haven't been reading the soap guide, you can re probably remember this story of Abraham being asked by God to sacrifice his son Isaac. Okay, so this is a very big ask. But if you've been reading about Abraham's life, he had a journey that he went on to build his faith. He didn't have only upswings. He made mistakes along the way. He made really, really dumb mistakes along the way. You read it and you're like, really? Why did you do that? Or why, what were you thinking? And then he does things more than once. And you're like, you did that in another chapter. Why'd you do that again? Like, he's human. And so he's building his faith journey. And then guess what happens? God asks him the biggest ask he's ever asked before, and that's to sacrifice his son. It's crazy, but yet Abraham's response was obedience. And then when Isaac, his son, they went to the mountain and he said, Dad, where's the sacrifice? And he said, the Lord will provide. 
And I just want you to know that that didn't come from his flesh. That came from walking in the light, building his repertoire and his story of faithfulness with the Lord because the Lord had been so faithful to him. So therefore, you may be in the room and you're thinking, you know what? Stepping in relationship feels like too big of an ask. It's too risky. It's too scary. Maybe it's stepping back into a relationship. Maybe it's giving that relationship another chance that we're relaunching. Maybe you came from a previous church that you didn't have the greatest experience at and you're relaunching. Today, I believe the Lord wants to remind you that you may feel like it's the biggest ask ever, but He is saying, remember what I've done? Remember how faithful I've been? And I know it feels so big, but I'll provide. So even when it feels uncertain and scary and uncontrollable on your part, He will provide. So Abraham was not living in assumption. He was living in the most high God, his refuge. And we can do that as we connect today. Now, if you're in this room and you're like, you know what, I don't have a track record. I came in this door, gonna check it all out. I don't have a story of God's faithfulness. I haven't been walking in the light. I, this is just all new to me. Today can be the day that you start that journey. And what I can say as being on this journey for years, I guarantee you that I have had ups and downs. I've had disappointment. I have had discouragement. I've had people hurt me. But one thing that I cannot ever say is anything negative about how God has come through in my life. He has been faithful. He has held me when I didn't feel like I could hold myself up. He has wiped my tears when I didn't feel like I could myself. He has guided me when I didn't know where to go. He has brought clarity when I felt confused. He has brought healing. Let me just tell you, when you step into a relationship, that person may leave. That person may misunderstand you. That person may hurt you. But what I can tell you is we have a God we can have confidence knowing that He is the one that never leaves or forsakes us. He's the one that knows our innermost thoughts. He is the one that can heal every hurt that we've come, we've come away with in life. So today I want to remind you that connection is better than assumption. There is the truth of God and the truth of His Word that will set you free. But I promise you, if you're looking to your own truth, it will not set you free. It will leave you bound. Because what you have assumed and accepted as truth without any proof will kill connection. So this is an encouragement and this is a warning. And this is an invitation. The Holy Spirit wants you to know that He's calling you to connect with Him. And that relationship that you've given up on, that person you feel like will never change, can we just give them to the Lord because they are not our dwelling place? Let's ask the Lord to do what only the Lord can do in their life. And let's dwell in the shelter of the Most High God, our dwelling place. Will y'all stand with me as we begin to close up today? And I am gonna repeat this because I really believe that the Lord wants to make this super clear. Today can be a day of relaunching. 
So I just want you right now in your seats, just close your eyes. I'm gonna ask the Lord to speak to us. Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would reveal to us any assumption that you're wanting to change, remove. God, any person in our life that we've been dwelling in that has not been safe. Right now, I just speak to marriages in this room. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're the one who can relaunch them. You're the outward force that can move that relationship forward in the name of Jesus. God, I thank you for those relationships with parents and children. Right now, I thank you right now that you're relaunching relationships, that you're helping them go to the next season of relationship so that they can healthily move forward. God, every marriage, again, I'm gonna pray over marriages. Father God, marriages that are not sure if they wanna give it one more chance. God, I thank you right now for stirring in us, softening our hearts, helping us relaunch. God, for those who've experienced divorce, that maybe they sat here and thought, you know what, I am living more in my ex's thoughts and ex's old decisions that then I am the most high. Right now, I just feel like the Lord is calling us to release those things. God, we release those assumptions. We release those false narratives. We release our own prediction of what's gonna happen. And right now, God, I pray that you would replace in this room, replace our thoughts with your truth, set us free, heal that heart that has been disappointed. Right now, I rebuke the spirit of fear in the name of Jesus, that every single person that has been dwelling in the spirit of fear would recognize that in this moment and say, I don't have to live there anymore. I take dominion. Enemy, you cannot steal, kill, and destroy any longer. Right now, we dwell in the shelter of the Most High God. In Jesus' name, amen. Can y'all give the Lord a shout? Yes, now, with our eyes opened, I do want to give you an invitation. If you want to connect with God for the first time or you want to reconnect with God, if you came in this room and you're like, yeah, I want to start my journey today, will you raise your hand right now? I want to pray over you and with you. Is anybody in the room wanting to make that decision? Awesome. Awesome. Okay, we're going to pray this together out loud. Jesus, I trust you. Forgive me of my sins. I want to connect with you. And I believe you're the only way to do that. I leave my assumptions behind and I draw near to you. Cleanse my hands, purify my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all worship with us. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message impacted you. Feel free to let us know on the Contact Us tab of the house website. We hope you have a great week.